the vibe check. I passed the vibe check. Hey guys, welcome to the show. Welcome to I See Things a Little Differently. And this week we will do something different. I know the match of the month is uh, very sacred to a lot of you. And I really do appreciate that. Uh, it's something I started um, just to be different and just to be able to tell stories and not just talk about, oh, this was a cool match, go watch it, you know. Um, but this is the first time in the history of this show we're going to do things differently because I am attending Revolution. I still There's so many things that happen. And you guys know how I am. I usually, after pay-per-views, I usually give that particular show, that Monday show, all the spotlight. I might run through some news and notes I want to talk about, but usually it's dedicated to that show. Well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to actually have this be this... We're going to have two different shows. The match of the month will still happen, but the match of the month will be essentially... The match of the month plus the news and the notes from the week. And then Monday show, which will come later in the day when I get home. Because um, it's a, a four-hour drive. It will be later later in the day. That will just be my revolution review. And that's where we'll go with that. That being said, let's start with the match of the month. So that way people who just only want to hear match of the month, you guys just don't have to listen to this. So it it it's, it will be Sting focused because because as you guys hear this it will be the last time we will see Sting in a ring. He is officially retiring. Um, I don't think he's retiring from doing appearances. I know he's at WrestleCon this year, which I'm going to. I just got my ticket to WrestleCon, so I'm super excited to uh, to to see him and and hopefully get an autograph or a picture or, or both. But um, so I don't think he's gonna stop doing the the cons and stuff but it might be more limited i'm sure he already i think sting already does a limited basis on these things anyway most most wrestlers do with the exception of people like kevin nash who hit the they hit the circuits hard you know um but anyways this will be the first time sting won a world heavyweight championship so this is a story because it's been said before but i'll say it again so rick flair told hey you're gonna drop the belt to sting sting was up and coming guy he was over sting uh, him uh sting and flair had already gone the broadway and they already been put over and they had uh, a great match where it ended in a draw and that was sting's test and that's when they decided hey we're gonna put this title on sting and rocket him to and so all of a sudden you have things go awry <laughs> because sting who was at the time in a cage match and he was fighting with RoboCop. Well, he comes off the cage and tears his ACL, which now that just puts all sorts of just wrenches in plans, right? So now the plans have changed, and Jim Hurd now, former head of WCW, wants Ric Flair to drop the title to Lex Luger. Now, I'm not gonna lie to you guys, Lex Luger, for all the opportunities he got in his career. Whether you think they were warranted or not, or whether you even know anything about him, like Lex Luger will forever be, and I and I do wonder if he's going to go in the Hall of Fame this year. I do, the WWE Hall of Fame. I do wonder. Um, I he, he you can't sit here and say that the guy wasn't over or the guy lacked talent, right? 
And legitimately, was he the guy at the time? Probably not. Sting was, but Sting was hurt. So Flair said no. Flair said no. The title was no was promised to Sting. I'm only going to drop it to Sting. So now Sting's going to be out into eight, nine, maybe even twelve months. And so I said, well, we don't want you the title for another year. He said, okay, well, cool then. Well, I'll give you the title belt back. But now, at that time, you had to put a deposit down on a title in WCW. That's just how they did old school ways with, with that company. And um, he said, I'll give it to him, but you need to give me my deposit. Well, Jim Hurd didn't want to give Flair his deposit, so Flair then goes off to uh, WWE. When he comes back, he now has the title he, he, and everything like that. He eventually does drop it to Sting. And this is the match he dropped the Sting in. Sting went one with a roll up. It was no interference. It was like the one thing I remember vividly was a bunch of lumberjacks on the outside and Junkyard Dog being one of them. And Flair um, got rolled up for the three count. It by far was not their best match. If anything, it was one of their weaker matches. Uh, when I think about that match, I think about the match um, that they had to end WCW Nitro. It was very basic, by the books type of stuff. It wasn't the kind of thing you would think that would get someone get someone over. Sting was already over. You know, like, I remember people always compare Sting and the Ultimate Warriors careers because they came into the business together. And Warrior, by far, had the, he only had one world championship reign as well. But he had the, the most memorable one between the two. But I remember watching that match, and I just watched it maybe a few months ago. I remember thinking to myself, man, this wasn't as epic as it was. But you could tell it meant a lot to Sting. I remember Sting, he was leaving. Like, everyone who had celebrated with him was still in the ring. And he was outside the ring walking up the, the ramp on his old WCW ones where it was that awkward ramp. And it was, like, it, it was just very weird. Anyways, I remember him stopping in the middle of it and, like, having the, the old big gold belt and, like, yelling out lots. saying, yeah, hell yeah, you know. Uh, he was so excited to get it. And, and, and he didn't have the best world title ring, man. He had... A uh, very lukewarm title reign, but it was because they didn't set up any challenges for him. They just want that belt off Flair, you know. And this is why you have to set up challengers, you know. Like to me, Malachi Black or Alistair Black, whatever you want to call him, Jericho. The reason why you have these Jericho type of runs, is what I call it, is because the right challengers aren't put into places. And also, sometimes the story just doesn't work when someone's a world champion. You know, when Jericho ended up winning the world title um, years later, whether it be with the Inner Circle, whether it be with uh, uh, the story went on with Shawn Michaels, it fit in that story, you know? And so it, it just sometimes some people need that extra boost, and um, Sting didn't have it, extra boost at the time, you know? But it was still a, a legendary moment. It was still something that when you see it, if you use the network and, and watch the old school stuff like myself, um, it's something that you look back and say, man, that wasn't the best match, but it was a, it was a moment, you know? And so it was one of those things where, and it, the moment was also prologue. It kind of feels like the Chris Statlander thing. I'll use a modern-day term uh, terminology here. It was a Chris Statlander thing. We all knew she was the one that was going to be Jay Cargill. We all knew it. But torn ACL, see the similarities there. Now you have to be delayed by 9, 10 months. Now that hurts Jay Cargill. Like, Jay Cargill never wrestled the top stars in w, in, excuse me, in AEW. Like, she never wrestled the Brick Bakers or the Thunder Roses or anything like that. And so that's why now... It's going to be interesting to see how she reacts to the WWE system because, like, when she, once you get on the main roster, it's not many people who are, like, lower tier. You know, you might have the people who are, like, Ivy Nile, who's much smaller and stuff like that, but Ivy Nile can go, you know? So, like, it's one of those things where you still have these people who can go, you know? Now, if you look at her compared to Ivy Nile or someone like that, no, that's, she's just short. Becky Lynch is shorter than her, but Becky Lynch can go. When you get in the ring, you get, it's going to be stiff, 
you know? So it's really one of those situations where it's just, you, you see the, the comparison. Sometimes it hurts the person holding the title just as much because they just, it feels like old hat. And that's what it was with Flair. I feel like old hat at the time, they needed new, and Sting brought that in. So that was that is your match of the month. Sting versus Ric Flair. Sting's first ever World Heavyweight Championship. So with that being said, Let's get to these news and notes. So, WWE has chosen Cleveland, Ohio to be the host of SummerSlam 2024. That was rumored as of like a few months ago, if I'm not mistaken. I remember hearing that months ago, that they wanted to go to Cleveland. I remember, guys, though, that the bash in Berlin is at the end of August. Because I guess they're doing two pay-per-views now in August to fuck with AEW, which is okay. Um, so, the bash in Berlin. And here's the funny thing about this. It may work now to fuck with people because you're paying for AEW pay-per-views, right? If you think about it, if they actually change their model with this new TKO thing in the the next couple years, you might be paying for PLEs again, you know? So, like, it won't... To run those pay-per-views, you're going to make a decision. Like, some people had to make a decision last year. Do I get all in and do I get all out? You know, me personally, I chose to just stick with all in. And I was very happy with that choice. Can you really afford? That's going to be four pay-per-views in the month of August this year. SummerSlam's at the beginning of August. All in. Uh, Bash in Berlin. And then all out. That's a lot of money they're going to actually, actually spend. And I'm talking about the future, not now. But like, that's a lot. And I don't care if you can't afford it. Would you get it? You know? Because some things just won't be worth it. Now, I'm going to assume the Bash in Berlin... Is going to be the culmination of Gunther winning the World's Heavyweight Championship. That's what I'm assuming, you know. But, like, I don't know why else you wouldn't do it. We would do that show. But, anyways. Um, but, yeah, that either way, that, that's a rant I just went on. I apologize for taking you guys through that. But, yeah, no. that's That's been rumored for a while. So, uh, there was conflicting rumors this week. One rumor said Drew McIntyre had re-signed with WWE. Another rumor, which was de- had debunked that rumor, said that Drew had not re-signed with the company. I'm going to assume, and this is just me, I'm going to assume he has not re-signed with the company, and we're not going to know if he's re-signed or not until WrestleMania. And I'm going to give you my thoughts on that a little later, but give me a second on that. Uh, the U.S. visas of 20 top CMLL stars are being canceled, and this is crucial because this could means this could take months for this to all get worked out. So I'm sure CMLL is like hoping, because they've now been working with AEW. So now... This will take months. That's crazy. You know? So, I don't even know how that works. Like, now, they could probably come back before Forbidden Door. Forbidden Door has been announced to be at Arthur Ashe Stadium this year. So, what that means Dynamite Grand Slam will be somewhere else for the first time in its history. So, I'm wondering how that's going to go. Uh, but that's that's a huge blow to CMLL if, they, if all 20 of these visas get canceled. Like, and they can't go away. And much sadder news. Paul the Butcher Fashan. Uh, has passed away. If you don't know who that is, he was one of the heads, the father of the Vashon family, whether it's Luna Vashon, uh, Mad Dog uh, Vashon. Um, they are all, all known for their wacky, crazy style. Um, he t- t- he's a, If you don't care for old school wrestling, you probably might not like his style, but this guy was a fighter, bro. You know, this was this guy was a fighter, and so my condolences to his family and, his, and their loss. Also, in more passing, unfortunately, a, a Three of it, this three three people this week. Virgil has passed away. This dude ended up becoming a caricature later on in, in his life. But this dude was first brought in as 
the Million Dollar Man servant, which was all sorts of racist. <laughs> but at the time, it was just different. And he would be the one flashing the money, holding the Million Dollar Championship. And how he got over at first was essentially people wanted to see this guy break away from Ted DiBiase and being treated like crap. And it's kind of what you're seeing with Luchasaurus right now. Every time this guy is looking like he's going to break away, the fans are cheering for him to break away. And eventually got to the point where he nailed the Million Dollar Man. They had a match. He ended up winning the Million Dollar Championship. Virgil, let's be honest, he was never the best wrestler. He was more of a uh, best, best used as a utility guy. But that was the most over he got. And the fans, if you watch the old footage, the fans went crazy for him. He just didn't have any charisma when he talked. But as he got older... He stopped caring and everything became about money because he ended up being broke and stuff. Like, he became a caricature. He became a character. It's so crazy how... And Bruce Pritchard will say this a lot of times. He'll say, hey, man, some people just didn't have it when the red light came on. He's one of those people, I feel like. Like, But when he wanted to be a character and have fun, he, he was. You know? So he had charisma. It's just when <coughs> the light turned red, excuse me, he just didn't have it, you know? Um, but he had passed away. I think he had been sick for a while, if I'm not mistaken. But, um, yeah, rest in peace to Virgil. And then finally, one of the most important figures in the history of professional wrestling. That's not hyperbole. That's not me giving my own opinion. These are facts. The kids still say straight facts, right? These are straight. Ole Anderson, a part of the wrecking, uh, the, the live wrecking crew, a part of a founder of the Four Horsemen. Without the Four Horsemen, without the wrecking crew, there is no NWO, there isn't a DX, there's no inner circle, there's no factions, there's no bloodline, there's none of this. They started this, but Ole Anderson started because him and Gene were a tag team in the Minnesota area. And they're called the Wrecking Crew. And they ended up bringing, it's not, not Minnesota, but in Carolinas. And um, what ended up happening was Gene wanted to retire, but before Gene wanted to retire, they wanted to bring in people to replace him. And so Ole Anderson ended up bringing in Ric Flair. And Ric Flair was a distant cousin of the Andersons. So, okay, you have one piece right there. And then they brought in Arn. And Arn Anderson was Gene's replacement. So Arn and Gene were, the, were the, really the first, air quotes, tag team of the Four Horsemen. And then when Tully came, and Tully was a singles, but then they ended up forming the Brain Busters. And that's how Tully and Arn, as Ole ended up winding down, um, that's how they became a tag team. Without that formation, without Gene and Ole, especially Ole, being so, hey, come in, bring bring it in. Without that, there is no horseman. The most, I still think the horseman, I, I don't think it was the first faction in pro wrestling history, um, but it by far was the most important faction because that faction made things hot. And so with that being said, Ole Anderson, a lot of times you might say, well, the four horsemen, they're in the Hall of Fame. Well, not that, it's not the original horseman. And it's because Ole Anderson has been known to be difficult to work with. He didn't care what people thought. People will tell you Ole Anderson didn't care either. He was an asshole. Like people will tell you that's how he felt. He did not care any of that. You know, so that's why you got the version of Barry Windham, the version of uh, Arn Anderson, Ric Flair, and Tully is because of that. Now, by far, that's the best version of the Horseman wrestler-wise. Because Ole was at you know the end of his career when they had formed the faction. But, like, that, so, yeah, the, the faction in the Hall of Fame is by far the best wrestling four horsemen faction. Without a shadow of a doubt, Ole Anderson, without him 
giving the rub to those three superstars. Oh, uh, Tully, Arn, and, and Rick. There is no one anymore. And by this time, Ric Flair is a world heavyweight champion. But Rick was not Ric Flair without the horse. It just, it all just was perfect. So, rest in peace to Ole Anderson. Um, I do hope that he gets this. I know Arn had wrote a very lovely uh, tweet or whatever it was, uh, telling him that saying that he was gonna t- uh, teach his son some Oleism. So as he passed him on. So that's uh, um, speaking of pretty cool. I read an article in the tri- uh, Players Tribune where Darbyon talks about Sting and Sting's importance to his career. And he said how when they first were bringing Sting in, he didn't think anything about it. And they started putting him in the rafters. And they had already planned to put Sting with Darby. He did not know that. And he wrote this very lovely piece about how humble Sting is and how Sting was like, he's Sting. And he's asking, hey, what, what are we doing? Like, how Can we do this? What, what, what do you think? And he's still at his age, being who he is, asking permission to do things. Like, that's really fucking impressive. You know, but that's, that's what you hear about Sting, though. That's all you hear. That's why the story of the Starcade 97 situation is so baffling, and it's hard to believe Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan side of it, because even with Sting taking air quotes, no air quotes, no air quotes, his blame for it, it sounds like utter bullshit, dude. It just does. I'm sorry. It just sounds like, okay, you got. he's defending you guys. He just, he, he just, he's moved on. He's like, you guys are, he knows you guys are just dicks, right? But it was a beautiful piece. I suggest you guys read. It's a maybe a four-minute read, but it's very beautiful. And look here. Darby was already one of the, the top stars in AEW, right? Sting giving him the rub. Of course it helped, right? But he also, he got Sting hot again, too. They needed, they, they both didn't, they didn't need. But they both just worked well together, you know? And I remember at the time, Darby had some really nasty accusations like, uh, thrown his way. From a former uh, former wife, uh, and I remember that kind of just quieted things. But Sting being with Darby was perfect. Let me say something. You can say a lot of things about the booking that Tony Khan has done. He has done nothing but right by Sting. And speaking of Sting, we'll get we'll get to that later on. Anyways, um, but yeah, check that check that out in the Players Tribune. Uh, Tamatanga, the son of Haku, has decided to join WWE. There's no official announcement yet, but it sounds like he's a. Everyone is saying he is he is on his way to WWE. He was rumored to be going there what one or two years ago, you know. And I wouldn't be surprised if he if he joined the Bloodline in this story. This to me, this Bloodline story, we'll get to it in a moment, is setting up to be the Rock either taking over the Bloodline and Roman being kicked out of the Bloodline, or the Rock fighting the Bloodline by himself. I think it's more of the Rock taking over the Bloodline, but that's just my opinion. Anyways, let's hit some Raw notes. Raw, Drew cut a hell of a promo on Seth Rollins, telling Seth, hey man, now that I'm the number one contender again, you need to stay out of the Bloodline's business. We know how they do business. We know how they work. And if you get in their business and stay in their business, it's going to stain my victory at WrestleMania. It's going to give you an excuse. And I don't want you having any excuses. I thought about that line he said. I said, that's a hell of a thing to say, because that's true. But Seth's already in too deep. You know, and Seth that and Seth wants the bloodline. You know, so that, but that that was a great point by Drew McIntyre. Let me say something for someone who like myself who was not a big fan, Drew. And I keep saying this: not everybody needs to turn heel. I understand that, but sometimes, man, you could just show more of your personality. And Drew McIntyre, to me, has shown more of his personality as a heel than I've seen ever. 
When he first came on the main roster as a heel, he was, he was just with Dolph Ziggler. There was no personality being shown. He was the heavy. Then he became face and doing the, the one, two, three thing. And I, I, didn't, I don't care about that. But I'm telling you right now, this has been great to watch this. Imperium. They have went face-to-face with the Judgment Day. Judgment Day say they want the Intercontinental title. I don't think they're getting it. <laughs> I don't think that's going into their hands, honestly. But it, it, it's, it's been interesting to see. NXT, Sean Spears returns as Ty Dillinger, and he is a 10. Look here, he's a Cody guy. So I'm not surprised he shows back up on NXT. They weren't doing anything with him in AEW anyway. Once he dropped, once the pinnacle got dropped, there was nothing else to do with him. You know, There was no direction for him. So like I said, I'm expecting a ton of Cody guys women to be in WWE very, very soon. But they weren't doing anything with them in AEW anyway, so it wasn't a loss. SmackDown, Rey Mysterio returns, and he sets up his match with Santos Escobar for WrestleMania. Dakota Kai turns on Bailey. She sides with damage control. I think she's a double agent as well. I don't I don't know how it's going to work at WrestleMania, but I think I don't think EO is walking out with that women's championship. Don't know how, but whatever. Rock, the Rock makes Roman Reigns wait, comes out, acknowledges Roman Reigns as the tribal chief. Meanwhile, he makes a challenge for night one. So we're getting this match. Even though it's not official, we're getting this fucking match. He challenges Seth Rollins and Cody Rhodes to a tag team match night one to headline WrestleMania night one. And if Cody and Seth win, there's no bloodline night two. But if they lose, the bloodline can do whatever they want to on night two. So my first thought is, holy crap. Sorry about that, guys. You got to get a drink of water. Um, so my first thought is, like, holy crap. Like, they're really doing this. And this has to be the compromise for Cody to finish his story and get his main event. And for The Rock to actually be in a high-profile match at WrestleMania 40. This is the compromise. But as far as the compromise goes, now this will be the second year in a row that the bloodline will highlight both nights of WrestleMania. Then you have Roman Reigns working twice in two nights. Cody Rhodes working twice in two nights. Seth Rollins working twice in the same fucking night. Because I, I, I mean, I can only, I can't imagine. It's just me. Now, well, this is, there's a many ways you can go with this. And right now we're, we're uh, what's the word I'm thinking about? We're fancy booking, right? Like, because I'm still under the impression, I still believe Senior Money in the Bank is leaving with that World Heavyweight Championship at WrestleMania. I'm believing that. That he's going to lose the tag team titles, but he's cashing in. You could always have Seth and Drew go on night two. You could, you know. Um, and Seth, and Seth and, but once again, it goes to what Drew said. Drew said, you're going to stay in my victory here, you know. So Seth could go into that match hurt now, you know. But here's the thing also. Because Bloodline's winning night one. So Bloodline wins the night. Or if Rock is the double agent I think he is, then they lose. But you're not pinning The Rock or pinning Roman Reigns. Especially since Reigns is taking the pin night two. So I would assume Cody's going to take the pin night one. And then they beat them down afterwards. I mean, this this is unprecedented. But honestly, this could, this is a good way to have your two nights of WrestleMania. Because this, this will be the first night or first time... In the history of WrestleMania, that's been two nights where you have a TBD moment. Now you have the same back time, same back channel moment where it's like, well, wait a second. This just ended on this cliffhanger. And you could always have them lay out Seth Rollins and, and Cody Rhodes. Damian Priest then cashes in his World Heavyweight Championship. 
He wins, and you leave night one with the bloodline laying out all the good guys while Money in the Bank cashes in. Now you have Drew McIntyre versus Damian Priest for the World's Heavyweight Championship night two. There's so many ways you can go with this, but the thing that I think, this match doesn't intrigue me at all. Let me take that back. The match intrigues me because of the outcomes that it could lead, but I don't care to see this match. But what this does is make something intriguing for the first time where you legitimately have uh, you have that that TBD moment where it's like, holy fuck, I got to tune in for night two. I got to see night two, right? And if, you, and if you're someone like me who was only planning on going to night one, now it's like, well, wait, should I get tickets a ticket for night two? I mean, a ticket for night one? Because I, I, I want to be a part of both. Like, it makes you wonder. So, um, it's very interesting. But Rock in this segment was cl- it's, he's clearly a double agent, and he's fucking with Roman. The, I'm, he acknowledged him. He's clearly fucking with Roman Reigns. So I'm just saying. Anyways, um, AEW, AEW, Heyman, Heyman and Page. Speaking of doing some of the best work of his career, he has lost his fucking mind. <laughs> That's the only way to put it, dude. This dude has lost his mind. He fakes this injury, and he nails uh, Swerve. He says, you're never going to win the title. Like, imagine when Swerve does win the championship. When Swerve does win the championship, it's going to lead Hangman into this just this descent of hate. He's not going to know what to do with himself. Meanwhile, Samoa Joe, at the time, felt like, to me, he felt like a background player. But really, he's not. Because that, that championship he has on his, on his shoulder... Dude, these three men are making it feel like the most important thing in the world. And it's awesome. And then you have Swerve, who's now cutting promos on Joe, saying, hey, once I take that title from you, you might go back to the uh, the, the the commentary booth with a poncho on again. Even Tony Schiavone said, ah, I was stiff. You know, like, you have these three men fighting for this shit, but it's all from different perspectives. Joe's just trying to keep his title. and try, Swerve is trying to make history. You can feel the passion in his voice when he says, I'm on the verge of history. Hankman is just crazy. Hey, I can see. I'm turning out. I can see Hangman. Like, uh, Swerve hits uh, uh, whatever finishing move on Joe, and Hangman just literally throws him out. You won't win. You won't win. He gets put in the coquina clutch, and he sees Swerve coming back into the ring to make the save, and he just taps out because he's like, "Nope, you're not winning. I'm not getting out, and you're not winning. You're not saving me." And I can. You can see it. Hangman has lost his fucking mind, and I love every fucking second of it. It's just fantastic. <laughs> So I, I don't know, but to me, this was this is some of the best work I, I've seen them do. I'm truly enjoying all of it, you know. Um, but yeah, man, this was this was fun to watch. I loved every second of this. And Sting, probably for the last time, came down from the rafters to make the save. Apparently, Tony Khan and AEW did consult Martha Stewart, say, "Hey, we want to do this thing for Sting. Are you okay with this?" And she said, "Yeah, I'm completely fine with it. Look here." I know a lot of people are hoping that one day Owen Hart goes into the WWE Hall of Fame because it just, for them, the WWE Hall of Fame, even though there is an actual pro wrestling Hall of Fame, there is an actual indie Hall of Fame. Like, there's other Hall of Fames that are just as legitimate. You know, even though WWE Hall of Fame is just a website, too. Um, some people, that's just the end-all, be-all, and that's fine. We all have our opinions. Um, I know some people really want Owen Hart to be in the WWE. Martha Stewart just hates that company, bro. And you know what? I would, too. Even though, even though it, she's a millionaire off of it, she lost her fucking husband, dude. I had a situation, right, at one of my jobs one time. I was working in a hospital. And I was working in, in the CCU. That's the critical care unit. And 
this this one guy's in there is pretty big dude, he, and I I made it a point to mind my own fucking business, so I never knew what was going on with these people unless they specifically told me what was going on with them. And so one day his wife is visiting him, and I'm just in the room cleaning, and she's just you can tell she just needs someone to talk to, and she was like, yeah, he just had quadruple bypass surgery. I was like, okay, he feels better. It's like yeah, he ended up leaving like two days later, which was good. And she was like, yeah, but she was like, she was like, she was like, people were telling me, well, if he passes on, you have life insurance. She said, yeah, I have $400,000 life insurance. That's life-changing money. But guess what? We have seven kids. I need the human to help me raise these little humans. I not only need him, I want him. The kids don't only need him. They want him. We want him around. We love our dad. We do, I love my husband. When she said that, and, she, and once again, I never... I never initiate conversation, but people would initiate conversation with me. And I remember her saying that she just needed to tell somebody that. She just needed, and also he was listening too. She needed him to hear, we need you. You know, we not only need you, we want you home. You know, we want you to take better care of yourself and this, that, and the third, and blah, blah, blah. And that's the key. They didn't, they didn't, they, they, it's not just they needed him, they wanted him around. You know, and she she seems genuinely happy. For a woman who said she hate, hated the wrestling business after and her, dude, she she has been having fun at these AEW shows. Like when you see when uh, Willow Nightingale and Ricky Starks won the Owen last year and you see her walking out with him, she's holding Ricky's hand. Like you can tell it's not just an honor for them, but it's an honor for her to have her husband's name forever ingrained in these things. So I don't know. That's just that That's just my take on it. But I'm glad that. We got to see it one last time, but also more importantly, I didn't even think about the Martha Hart factor. I didn't, I didn't, but that's what you have to do when you have the relationship. So she, she did. So, uh, anyways, I know I promised the Rock timeline. We're actually gonna do that. We're we're gonna do it next week. We're gonna do the Hollywood Rock timeline. We're also gonna do my top ten NXT Black and Gold women and men, and we're gonna talk about where they are now and where I feel they stand and where their futures go. Something just different, because um, I was asked to talk about that. But we're doing all that next week, because as I said, when we talk about Revolution on Monday, I just want to be the focus. Um, but yeah, this this Sunday show, this is a, I know it's a bit different for the match of the month, but please bear with me. Um, the match of the month for April will focus on Dusty Rhodes, as you can imagine why it will focus on Dusty Rhodes. So anyways, I am the Slow Chemical. This is I See Things a Little Differently. Man, we're out.